You see, we're in this three-week series we're kicking off. We'll, we'll take the next three weeks to cover it, but it's a series on community and connection and growing together in God's love. And um, if you're here and you're an introvert, you're like, oh, this, this doesn't apply to me. That's for those weirdos who like people, <laughs> those weirdos who like other people. But I just want to say right off the bat, community is for everybody. Like God has wired everybody to be connected and, and we all have a desire and I'm going to kind of lay it out to be connected in some way to people. As a matter of fact, the first time, and you've probably heard me say this before, that God in scripture ever mentions anything as being not good. It's when God looks out at his creation and he sees trees good. He says, that's good. Sky's good. Land, all these things are good. He creates all this stuff. He says, good, 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 good. And then he stops like, er, oh, wait a second. That creation, Adam right there, he's alone. That's not good. So he says, I need to create a helper, someone who can be alongside, someone who can be in community with this Adam. And we know God's desire from the beginning we see in Genesis is not only community with one another, but community with him. Scripture says that through the cool of the day, as Adam and Eve walked, God was with them and speaking to them. And so God has wired community and relationship and connection into all of us. And so you may say, well, I'm kind of an introvert. That's not really my thing. But it, but it is. God has a place and a connection for you. And I know over these next few weeks, we'll, we'll learn more about that. I was in a... Um, kind of like a, a helpful meeting. I'm in these pastors groups and they bring experts on to help you in all of these different areas. And one of them was marketing and how you would like promote your church and different things that they're doing. And this expert said the number one way to promote a product or a thing is to use this line, something along this line, where you would say something like, have you seen what people are saying about this? Have you seen what people are saying about this? And then you go, ooh, what are people saying about this? Or another way would be, have you heard and this, uh, even when it comes to product descriptions online, you know, many of us go online, you jump on Amazon and you read the description from the person who is selling the product. But what do we all actually do? We click on the reviews because we want to hear what people are saying. Even in that regard, the way that we make decisions about what we're going to be involved in is community driven. What are people saying about it? What is the community saying about either this product or this event or this type thing? And so community is something that's baked in probably even more than we realize it. Another way, as I kind of had this sermon on my mind, I've been observing how people have community and connect with one another. So I kind of comically get to observe the way that we find community with one another. Yesterday, I was at my son's football game and uh, I was listening to some of the dads talk about their youth hunts. It was youth hunt day. So I think it was the first day of youth hunting. And so all these dads are standing around each other with their phones and like, bro, yeah, we're going to go out here. And uh, I've been tracking on my trail cam. This is Buddy Buck. Oh yeah, Buddy Buck. You showed me him last year. Yeah, we're really hoping to get Billy Buck. They got all these wildlife deer name they've been tracking them for years you know it's like it's like you you meet these people and they get their wallet out and it's like this is my kid jimmy and this is my kid jenny and this is buddy buck we're tracking him for you and so they're talking about wild and they're like well what is that at the end of the day i'm sitting over here like you guys are weird but what is it it's community it's community. Why in the world are we standing in the middle of a football field and talk about all these wildlife in our trail cams it's because it's a way that we do community i don't know if maybe you've been living under a rock but the Lions just won the Super Bowl Thursday night. We just won the Super Bowl. And uh, I've been noticing this week that um, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you know somebody or, or not. You walk into a gas station, and if somebody has a Lions shirt on, you walk right over to that person, and you're like, Lions, yeah, finally. It's just weird that you would walk up to a stranger and be like, man, the Lions, oh, we loved watching those grown men do their job. 
right? Because we'd never show up to Gentex like, come on, we've been waiting 30 years for you to build that chair or whatever you do there. <laughs> but like the lions, it's like changed our lives, community. I mean, like you didn't even need to have a lion shirt on this week, just a blue one. And we'd walk up to you like lions. Yeah. Patrick Holmes is the worst. We hate Patty. You know, but it's like, what is that? It's community. It's community. It's just this way that we're finding to connect because that's wired in us by God. I performed a wedding yesterday and I was really observing how weird we are as people. So we're at this wedding and uh, it's just weird in the first place. You know, like at a wedding, everybody turns into Olaf, right? They're all like, I love love. I love love. And so it helps you look past the oddness of what's really happening. And what's really happening is we walk like way behind this weird property. And, you know, you put on clothes that you only wear two times a year, the two weddings you're invited to. And now there's these chairs out in the middle of this field and there's mosquitoes and the sun's baking everyone in the middle of this field. And then this couple comes down and they start sharing vows in front of 200 weird people. They just start sharing intimate details about each other right in front of you. And so they go, oh, I remember seven years ago when I met you and I first heard your voice. It swept me away. And everyone's like, oh, his voice is so dreamy. It's so <laughs> like, you're so this is weird. Oh, but it's community. And then after that, you go to the reception, which in this case happened to be in a barn. Uh, sorry, you guys, if you're watching, I love you. I'm just, I had a great time at your night. Uh, <laughs> so you're now sitting in this barn. You're now sitting in this barn and the wedding party comes in and you're sitting in this barn and you're eating, you just, you're sitting at a table around half the people you don't know. And you're sitting there and you have dead chickens on your plate, right? You're sitting in a barn with dead chickens in front of you and you're eating them. And then you start banging the glass like, Kessar, Kessar, we want to see you put your faces together. We want to see that. <laughs> And they kiss and right away, do it again. <laughs> and then he dips her, like he dips her. Oh, he dipped her. Carl, get the phone. We got to take a picture of that. I got to put a blurry picture of that on Facebook, right? Like, it's like, but what is it? Super weird, yes. But it's community. It's like the odd ways that God wired us to like be together, grow together, do life together, have connection with one another. And it happens all over the world. But dangerous things happen when we aren't in community. Really what God was saying in Genesis, as he looked down, he said, oh no, there's isolation right there. Adam's not in community. He doesn't have a tribe. He doesn't have a people. He doesn't have a body that he's connected to, if you will, right? We, we need to do something about that. And right now, there's an epidemic in our world of people who are finding themselves in isolation. They're missing their community. There isn't a community, a body of Christ coming in and saying, hey, there's a better way. There's a hope of the world and his name is Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. We see, I was just talking with a, a police officer from the Grand Rapids Police Department, and he was saying over half of the calls that come into the Grand Rapids Police are mental health related. Wow. It's not the cat going up the tree or, a, you know, it's mental health issues are on a skyrocket. We see the suicide rates are at an all-time high, more than we've ever seen before. Substance abuse, which also leads into the overdose, are also at all-time highs. We see that prescription dependencies are at an all-time high as far as balancing your health and your anxiety and your emotions. And I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying there has got to be a better way. When Jesus came and said, hey, my burden is light. Like there's a better way than the way that it's happening in our world. And I think we need to identify this and understand this and become the church that can come in and show that there's a better way. Are you with me? Jesus in Luke 12, he's talking to some people who are listening to him and the disciples. And he's saying, guys, this is wicked. This is messed up the way that you're doing this. He says, you can predict the weather. You can tell when this is going to happen and this is going to happen. But you can't discern the times and then provide the proper application 
I hope that's not being said about us as the church and us as believers where we're looking out at the world and we're saying, oh, that's messed up and that's messed up and that's messed up. But we aren't being a people who's identifying it and then helping be the community to apply the proper application to see them healed. Are you with me? Psalm 90 says the same thing. Jesus is, is, is we're getting this uh, encouragement here. It says, hey, wisdom is walking wisely is being someone who numbers your days and spends them accordingly basically understand like life is short it's just a vapor but what matters the most well what matters the most is eternity and people seeing people set free and coming to know the goodness of God are you with me so wisdom is saying understanding that this is the amount of time that I hear have here and I'm going to spend these days wisely and one of the ways you spend them wisely is being in community being a part of a body that can go and transform communities even Ephesians chapter 5 says this, we're called to be a people who redeem the times because the days are evil. We can go on social media and we can turn on the news and we can look around and we go, wow, that's evil, that's evil, look at all that, that's, there's so much evil. But what we're called to actually do is redeem it. It didn't say, hey, hold tight, just go to church, sing some good songs. I'm gonna send some angels swooshing through that are gonna redeem all this. No, we are called. It also didn't say the pastor, didn't just say the worship leader, it says we, the body of Christ, his people who, who have found goodness and mercy and grace in their time of need can now go show that to other people in their community. Are you with me? Bottom line is this, we have work to do. We have work to do. You know the passage, the warning that we're actually giving that, hey, there's going to come a day and the day is now where the harvest is plentiful. Christianity is not even close to the majority in America anymore. And so the harvest out there is plentiful, but there's a warning giving that, hey, there's going to come a time where the laborers are few. There's, there's a great sea of souls that can be saved. If we mobilize as a community and we go out and we connect and we make relationships, there's a great harvest to have. But don't let it be said about you that you're not a laborer. I won't let it be said about this church that, oh, there's no laborers to be found there. There's people who just want to be entertained inside the four walls and hear good music and a halfway inspiring sermon. We got to be a people who labor. Labor, are you with me today? We get deceived. We get deceived in the pace of life that we're living. You know, every April and May, uh, we get messages from people and, and they say, hey, can you take us off the schedule of serving for the summer? We just get so busy in the summer and we got so much going. And so about 30% of our volunteers go away. Unfortunately, what happens is statistically, they already say it's about 20% of the same people doing 80% of the church work. Some of you are in here like, that's me. I know about that. Well, your community service is almost over. Then we'll let you go. But, But those are unhealthy numbers. That's not a good laboring field is what I'm saying. So 30, 30% of us, hey, will you take me off for the summer? And I understand that there are seasons where you got a big wedding coming up this summer and it's something you're putting together and you got major family transition or maybe you got a trip that you've been planning and, and it takes a lot of effort and you've been saving up for many years, you're ready to take this big trip. But I hope it's not that uh, I don't really care what happens to people in the summer. Summer's my time to enjoy myself and do me. I hope that's not said about us. Because you know that the enemy doesn't take the summer off? Do you know that hell doesn't shrink back and say, well, it's summer, boys, let's lay it up a little bit. I got a beach to go to. Am I telling the truth today? You guys were laughing a minute ago when I'm telling jokes. Now you act like you don't like me. Everybody says, like, we love a pastor who tells the truth. And then I start telling the truth about you, and you're like, he needs to mind his own business. 
All right. We're deceived. We're deceived if we think effective Christian living is just knowing the songs, getting the degrees, doing our devotions, but then not getting in community and helping and going and making a difference in our community. We're called to be mobile and make an impact and connect and make a difference. As a matter of fact, you know what the disciples did? The most rebuked people in the scripture were the Pharisees, the Pharisees. You know what the Pharisees did? They knew the songs. They kept their devotions. They knew how to say all the right things and have all the right degrees, but they didn't love their neighbors. They didn't go make a difference. We can't let that be us in this day and this hour. Are you with me? That's why 1 John 3 says it this way. I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, but that's why 1 John 3 says it this way. If you don't love others, you don't have the love of God in you. If you don't have love for your neighbor, if you don't have a care and a concern for those around you, if you're not scheduling yourself and pacing your life in a way that you can be there for others, then the scripture says the love of God does not abide in you. You can know all the songs and have all the degrees and say all the right things, but if you don't love your neighbor, it's not in you. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Like, yeah, you're free. You're free. You can go do it. You can Netflix it up. You can vacation it up all you want. But don't use that freedom to actually live that way. Use that freedom to go be somebody who serves and gives and makes a difference. Verse 14 says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Know your Bible verses. Memorize the songs. The law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. As much as you want it for yourself, want it for your neighbor. As much as you want it for yourself, want it for the one who's hurting. Are you with me? For the one who's hopeless, for the one who's been neglected and abandoned and forgotten. As much as you want it for yourself, want it for them. And Jesus, of course, leads this. He would never ask us to do something he hasn't already done. So in John chapter 13, we see the story where Jesus gathers around everybody who's going to deny him, betray him. He's got the disciples who he's poured into. He's got them all around him, the cowards who are going to walk away from him, sell him out for money. He's got them all around him. And what does he get ready to do? Is the swan song like a big speech he's going to give them and tell them how terrible they are and how great he is and how they missed it and his greatness? No, he gets them all around and he grabs himself a towel and he begins to wash their feet. What does he do? He serves the one who doesn't have it together. It's too bad that in church, when people come in who are the deniers and the cowards and the hypocrites and the sinners and the unbelievers, it's too bad when they come in, we say, oh, get out of here. You're not worthy of this place. Instead, Jesus would grab a towel and say, yeah, yeah, come around. Let me serve you. Let me lead you. Are you with me today? He set the example. Mark 10, 45 kind of goes on to explain this. Uh, for The scripture says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Didn't come to make it a big deal about himself. He came to say, I'm going to make it a big deal about you. John 13, 16 says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who has sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What are the things we know and believe and then we get blessing? What we know is that Jesus, our Savior, also served. And the scripture saying, and nobody is greater than their master. So if he did it, we will gladly serve. And the scripture says this, blessed are you if you know these things and do them. What I'm here to tell you today is that blessing is found in serving. 
Blessing is not found in acquiring, in preserving, in saving. And scripture tells us it's better to be a people who what? Give than receive. I could stack up anybody who says, oh, I'm walking in so much blessing right now, God's favor on my life. And I would say, well, what blesses you so much about your life? Oh, I have such a great opportunity to serve in kids' hope and hand to hand. I get to minister. Are you with me? Because people that get it, get that there's blessing in serving. Jesus is not into titles. He's into towels. You've heard that before. It's not about your pedigree and all the things that you've accomplished and how squeaky clean you've made your family look and how we appear on the outside. Who are you serving? Who are you getting in community and saying, I want to make a difference and I want to plug in and I want to see the body of Christ grow. Are you with me? I love this passage here in Mark chapter nine. I love the honesty that we get from like Jesus journey with the disciples. Uh, In Mark chapter nine, verse 33, it says they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about back there on the road? He's like annoyed like his kids. Like seriously, back there on the road, what the heck was that all about, you annoying little people? <laughs> you know, haven't you seen me turn tables? I can really do some stuff. Yeah. He's like, what is all that about back there? And then they do what your kids did do. But they kept quiet. Nobody fessed up to anything. Because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. Really what Jesus is saying is like, do you want to have influence? Do you want to have leadership? Hey, you guys, you you want to be leaders? You want to make an impact? You want to make a difference? Oh, vertical church people, you want to take the schools back? You want to take government back? You want to take these things back? You want to be great and influential in America and in this world and in this region? Because the scripture did say that as we ask of him, he'll give us the nations. But how are we going to do that? How are we going to get our influence and impact back? Scripture says you must be last. Well, what does it mean to be last? It's like a dad who's walking with his family at, at a busy place, maybe the mall or Disney, and you got your family out and dad drops to the back. Why? Because he wants to keep an eye on it. He wants to serve. He wants to get behind family and keep an eye on things and push them along, make sure they get where they need to go. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He says, that's how you become great. How are we going to get our influence back and make a difference and transform communities? We're going to be a church that gets behind those that are hurting. We're saying, we got you. We're coming in behind. We're going to make sure that nothing's going to happen to you. We're going to serve our community. Am I telling the truth today? That's how you be great. That's how you live and be the way that God has called us to. The church is special to God. This is it. This is everything. I mean, I could go on and on about scripture about how much his eye is on us. When we, when we think about the scripture saying that as many times as he thinks about us is the same as the sand on the seashores. That's crazy because we haven't been to the beach in a month and we still have sand everywhere in the car. And he knows, I mean, think about how much sand. So his thoughts towards us are unbelievable. He loves vertical church. Every person sitting in this room, this body, Uh, In one place in scripture, we hear how he describes the church as being a building. Those buildings are important. There's a lot of emphasis he puts on temples and uh, churches being made of stone. He recognizes that these are physical places. But then another place, and it's a very important relationship and description that he gives about his church, his people. He calls them his bride. Imagine God, Jesus being like, how do I think about my church? my people? How do I think about them? What's a good word so they could understand how I really feel about them? He said, I know what it is. They're my bride. 
because my bride deserves adoration and my affirmation and my love. You couldn't think of a more intimate, personal description than for him to say, you, people, this community, you're the creator of heaven and earth's bride. Is that pretty unbelievable? And so then I want you to think about this. The worst thing that could happen to somebody would be if God is up in heaven on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045, and you come into this place and he says, oh, my bride's here. And we're going to connect and we're going to talk and we're going to share adoration toward one another. But instead we come into this place and we don't do or give anything. Imagine that, right? You're married and you come home and it's date night and the kids are gone and you're together in the house. And imagine how depleting that would be if you both just sat for the whole night. And there was no adoration and worship given. He wants us to understand that as his church, part of his desire in community is for him to pour out his adoration to his bride and us to pour it back to him as the bridegroom. Are you understand what I'm talking about? That's why when we sing things like this, we come in, it's not just to hear catchy lyrics. We get to come in and we get to hear our Savior say back over the bridegroom. Not for a minute were you forsaken. We get to hear the Lord is in this place. The creator of heaven and earth who's holding it all together. Like, like this is the description of his church and his community and his desire. As you have this guy who says, oh, my bride is here. And I want you to know not for a minute are you forsaken. I know it doesn't feel like it's coming together, but you're not forsaken. Worship is so much more beautiful than what we see it to be. Are you with me today? So we hear it as a building and a temple. That was a sermon on worship, but you get that for free. So... We hear about it being stones. We hear about being a bride. But more than those two things, Jesus, when speaking of the church, mostly calls it a body. A body of many members coming together. And then when he describes this body of many members, or if you will let me say this, this community of many members, he says, I want you to know it's a building, it's a bride, but it's also a body with many members coming together. And guess what they're doing? They're moving. They're not sitting there. They're a body who moves and functions and makes a difference and gets involved and serves. Are you with me today? So this is a part that we all get to play in. We all get to connect. We get to be a part of that body, that community that goes and transforms things. Uh, I love Moses in this story with the Israelites. He got very annoyed with the Israelites as he's leading them, and it's very frustrating. And I love reading this in Numbers 11. I'll read you the passage in a second. But right before this passage, he's talking with God, and he's just super annoyed with all the Israelites to some point where he literally is saying back to God, you seriously have me deal with these annoying people, and they're the worst. And he literally says this to God, and I didn't even conceive them. (laughs) He's like saying, they're not even my problem. Which, if we're honest... We kind of think the same way toward culture sometimes. Oh, those sinners, those weirdos, those wackos. Like, they're not my problem. Why are you calling me to love them? I didn't even conceive them. They're not my family. I don't even own half my family, let alone those people. I'm just kidding. And so he's getting this back and forth. He's got this big frustration of like, how is this ever going to work? How is this ever going to come together? Like, I got all these problems. And God says back in Numbers 11, I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. 
What are we seeing here? We're seeing that the way God moves is he takes the power of his spirit and he puts it on everybody so no one has to carry it alone. Do you know I don't have to carry it alone? I'm so free that I don't have to carry it alone. Jess don't have to carry it alone. Cody don't have to carry it alone. The Outreach Center don't have to carry it alone. We get the power of the Spirit placed on all of us being different members of one body and we can go make a difference in community. Are you with me today? So I'm calling you into it today. Maybe you're here and you just started coming here. Uh, I would encourage you to pray about maybe getting plugged in. Maybe it's been a little while. Maybe you have some church hurt and you're saying, ah, it's just been so long since I served in church because these things happened to me. I'm encouraging you pray and let God speak. Don't let it be my words, but ask God, God, how would you use me in making a difference in our community? Because can I tell you guys something? We're at the two minute warning. This is the end of the game. I believe we're living in the end times and we don't have time to hold back and shrink back. Things go fast at the end and it's time for everybody to get in the game and make a difference. Amen. So you got this card on your seat. I'm going to run through some of these area ministry. Just in the next 10 minutes, I want to kind of cast some vision about what it looks like to maybe get involved. Uh, The first one you'll see here is our setup team. If you're somebody who likes a good list, you can come in and you can get everything put together and get that setup team put together. Uh, Many people don't know this, but These chairs don't stay here. The cameras go away. There's signage in the hallways and everything that get moved out of here. And so the setup team is an amazing way to come in, get things accomplished. If you're someone who likes to set stuff up and look at it and be like, yeah, we did that. Uh, That's a great team for you. It's also spiritual. Think about this. When you come in on a Sunday morning, you're one of the first people in the building, which means you're one of the first people that can start tossing prayers all over this building. You can start setting the spiritual atmosphere while you're putting things out. And then the teardown team does that in reverse. Our tech team, absolutely amazing. So many different things that they do. TVs, lights, graphics, the broadcast that's happening online right now. They make sure the team is all put together. You don't even know this. Just because of your generosity, we were able to make a really significant purchase uh, that we've been planning for the last several months. Uh, But we just installed about a $35,000 sound system into this room, which is just so great because then we don't got to make Cody lip sync anymore and that was just getting hard for him but our sound system was our original sound system from 2013 imagine if you were still using your phone from 2013 Uh, I was like stuff's changed you know since 2013 so we have this new technology and what's amazing is our team just during the week came together got all that put it in installed it sounded amazing today we need some more bass I think we got to rattle a few more things but uh but but loved it. it and so our tech team Think about that. Like they just come in and they get to do all this stuff and volunteers coming together. And um, I can't wait. Wait. I mean, I know you guys love it when I sing. Uh, Wait till I sing on the new system. It's going to be it's going to be even better. Get out your phones. Get that on YouTube. Uh, The coffee bar. People don't know this, but but this is the truth. If anyone ever came in here on a Sunday and we didn't have coffee, do you know that they would just leave and go to another church that does? They could care less about you or the preaching or the music. It's coffee first. And, uh, but the coffee bar is a great way that we say, hey, grab a cup of coffee. Let's connect. And, um, and so getting the coffee put together and making that excellent uh, is a really cool ministry. Our prayer team. Uh, every single Sunday at the end of service, our prayer rooms are open and people can go down there and have someone agree with them, pray with them, speak life over them. You say, wow, I'm not like a big prayer person. Do you believe that God changes things through prayer? If you say yes to that, then we can get you ready on a prayer team and you can be a part of seeing God transform people's lives through prayer. And so prayer teams one security. Uh, we just live in a day and an hour where security and details are important. So we have cameras in different corners and we have uh, leaders on iPads, just keeping up with things, making sure our kids are safe. Um, we got guys walking around with face paint and AK-47s, just keeping an eye on things. Just kidding, that's ridiculous. They have grenades. But um, <laughs> security team, 
two times. <laughs> Grenades uh, are something you get when you join the team, so I encourage you. Right? <laughs> but the security team is important. We just live in a crazy hour, and uh, we want to steward this building well and all of our lives well. So um, maybe if you're somebody who understands that stuff, we do that. Greeting, greeting, you guys know this. Many of you have walked into a restaurant and had such a terrible greeting by the staff that right away you're like, I don't even want to spend money in here. And the same thing can happen in a church. If we're not friendly and hospitable and happy to see people on a Sunday morning, you might have already ruined somebody's experience and what they could have got from God uh, based on greeting. So greeting is great. Uh, ushering is another way. You can jump in and set out the table and pass out communion. And uh, we do different things for Christmas Eve. And so it's a way that our services flow with excellence. Uh, if you could be an usher. Our worship team. So I, I mean, give it up for our worship team. What an amazing blessing to come in and get poured over like that from a team that just leads us so well. And so if music is a passion of yours and uh, musicianship, uh, we would love to have you on that team as well. Uh, kids check in. Uh, as a matter of fact, the wedding that I was just roasting a minute ago, that kid, uh, his name's Hunter, just a great young man. And uh, I met, met him when he was probably four or five years old. And I met him when I, 25 years ago, uh, was running kids check-in at a church that I was a part of. And so got to know his family and then kind of grew up with him and got to speak into his life as he was a teenager and pray over him before football games and now got to do his wedding. And so um, kids check-in is more than just passing out a sticker. I mean, you're making family connections. And uh, I love it because kids come in, they're a little bit nervous about going in class. And you get to say, hey, buddy, oh, wow, those shoes are super cool. I like Spider-Man too. And hey, girl, look at that dress. And you get to speak like, and then they're excited to go in. And so kids check-in is a ministry. Uh, elementary, fours and fives and twos and threes. A kids ministry is such an amazing opportunity. Think about this. These young people have blank pages of the stories of God in their life. And God is choosing and using you to be someone who writes those first pages of spirituality in their life. Dude. Plus God said, hey, if you just give a little one a cup of water, it's like you're doing it under me. I just imagine the blessing list that you're going to see in heaven for those people that serve in kids ministry. Can I get, get an amen today? Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. I love kids men and... Uh, I love it. Every single Monday, I get to come up here. I get to come up here, and I get to see the mess they made in the bathrooms, and all the kids' wings still smells like Pop-Tarts and kids' farts. And it's like, I love it because it's like kids' lives were changed yesterday. Are you with me? So kids' ministry is amazing. And then babies, think about this. If you're, you say, oh, you know, what, what a big deal is it to just hold some babies and, you know, just take care of some babies? Listen, you're giving a mom a break. Come on, you're giving a mom and a dad a break where they can come in and get poured into and their kids are in a safe place. And so that's an amazing one. These four colors right here are different color because these are ministries that you can do on top of a Sunday morning ministry. So the black ones are mostly Sunday morning ministries. The other ones are sort of extracurricular. So hand-to-hand, uh, -hand, as you know, is our food bank. We highlighted them just a few weeks ago. Amazing ministry, packing groceries, praying over the groceries, delivering the groceries into the schools. Um, amazing stuff there. Kids Hope, I want to let you know we need four more people. We just heard from the school this week. We need three more females that can mentor and one more male. Kids Hope is one hour a week, every single week in the schools. And it's your chance to go into a kid who's been identified as needing some extra help, some extra attention, some extra life-giving words spoke over them. You get to go and be that. Sometimes it's just hanging out on recess. Sometimes it's helping with schoolwork, helping with math. Thank God I can bring my phone in there with a calculator and help. Left to myself, it wouldn't be good. 
And, uh, and so Kids Hope is an amazing one. And uh, student ministry, as you just heard, yeah, we have fun and play games, but our teenagers are walking through crazy stuff. And when you were a teenager, your parents were like, don't smoke cigarettes. Now these kids got crazy stuff they're trying to figure out. Stuff I don't even know about. Every time I'm with them, I'm like, hey, you got to teach me the new words. I don't know the things, you know. I'm just happy that my Crocs came in style. Been wearing Crocs for five years. They weren't cool. I've been telling me they're not cool. Now they're like, yeah, actually, you know what? You're pretty cool. You're good. <laughs> they just don't let me wear my Glock on the Croc anymore, but that's fine. And then lastly, hospitality is... Um, is an important one. You know, as people have babies or they have surgeries or there's different needs arise in the church, we get to send meals and cards and, and love on people that way. And so many of you have a gift in that. And if you'd like to be a part of that, um, you can do that as well. So I want to encourage you. Here's how you do it. You pray about it. You see what God would say about it. Uh, maybe right now you're already like, I'm ready to go. Um, you would fill this out and you would drop it off at our information center when I uh, dismiss. Or you're like, I want to pray about it. I want to sit on it for a minute. I want to see what God would speak to me to do. Take it home bring it back a future week, but we don't want it to be said about this church that the laborers are few. Amen. We want to grow and expand and take territory and have influence in our community, not to make our name great, but to make his name great. Amen. Uh, and I want to let you know, you can circle a few of these. If you're like, you know, there's five on this list that I'd love to be a part of. We can look at those and maybe see where, um, maybe we're short in an area and we could use you or heavy in an area. And, um, so whatever's on your heart, circle that, drop it off if you'd like to. And, um, and let's do and be community that God's called us to be so we can be a light. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. Lord, we don't want to be a sideline church. We do not want to stand in front of you and say, God, uh, I know we didn't love our neighbor. I know we didn't serve. I know we didn't make an impact, but we took great vacations. No, God, we want to be a people who say, We fought the good fight. We're not a hit, skip, and miss church. But we want to be a frontline church that says, bring us to the hurting. Show us the hopeless so that we can be the light that you've called us to be. Lord, give us a passion to be your hands and feet and your ministers. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.